right, everyone. Welcome to another fabulous edition of Campus Beat. Today, we are talking to Megan McGinnis in the Department of Psychology, a PhD candidate there. Hello, Megan. Welcome to Campus Beat. Oh, hi. Thanks. So tell us a little bit about yourself and the research you're doing here as a PhD candidate in the Department of Psychology. Excellent. Yes. So my research interests broadly lie in the areas of human sexuality, sexual health, and sex and gender diversity. Uh, So I'm conducting my research in the Sexual Health Research Laboratory under the supervision of Dr. Caroline Kukal. Uh, My PhD research is actually on the concept of virginity in adulthood, Um, but my master's thesis was very different and it was focused on um, the experiences of individuals diagnosed with prostate cancer, particularly those who identify as LGBTQ2+. And I've also collaborated on a project examining healthcare professional students training in affirmative practice with LGBTQ2 plus individuals. Okay, great. Well, we're going to pick up on uh, the work that you've been doing uh, related to Queering Cancer, a new web and social media platform of resources to support LGBTQ2 plus individuals with cancer and their caregivers. So, but before we dive into uh, your team's development of these resources, can you fill us in on disparities in access to cancer screening, treatment, and support for people who are lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, queer, or two-spirited that your team's resources are essentially meant to fill? Yeah, absolutely. Um, a little bit of a quick overview. So we do know that Um, Queer people are at higher risk of certain types of cancers. So for example, um, lesbian women are at a higher risk of breast cancer. Um, Gay men, because they have a higher increased risk of um, HPV, they're more at risk for HPV related cancers. And the issue is that often queer people might present later for treatment because of a lack of screening. So um, with trans people, for example, um, they may avoid certain screenings because, you know, some screening clinics are so gendered, right? We think of, um, you know, breast screening clinics as being very much geared toward women. Um, Same goes with, you know, cervical screening, for example. So, um, and a lot of the messages about cancer screening are aimed at straight cisgender folks. So it might make it harder for them to access screenings and therefore these cancers might be caught later. Mm -hmm. Um, And healthcare professionals might be unaware of queer people's and trans people's needs for cancer screening. Um, on On the treatment side, again, we often have that like gendered cancer issue of people maybe not accessing services because they don't seem like they're geared toward them. Mm-hmm. Um, and then just again, there is some lack of training that healthcare professionals have talked about in working with, um, with queer and trans uh, patients as well. Um, we know that queer and trans people who come out to their healthcare professionals have better healthcare experiences, but for some people might not feel comfortable coming out, or it just might not be a safe thing for them to do if they don't feel comfortable with their healthcare provider. So um, a lot of issues can come up in that relationship as well. Uh, and then just in terms of support, um, there's a lot of support groups out there for individuals with cancer, but often not a lot that are geared specifically towards LGBTQ2 plus people. Um, so they might not feel as comfortable talking openly about say issues related to sexuality in a group that's mostly straight people. So um, just not a lot of specific support resources for them. Okay, great. I'd like to revisit uh, what you were just talking about. I'm wondering uh, what resources might be available out there for medical practitioners then doing this kind of training, because at the same time, while these resources that you're queering cancer, very great initiative, but at the same time, is there something coming for the folks that are actually providing these services? It seems to me that 
the onus is on queer folks, not the medical practitioners. What's what's out there for the medical practitioners? Yeah, absolutely. So I I do know we found a few of these types of resources on on our own uh, website that we've been able to share that I think would be relevant for healthcare practitioners as well, even just being aware of these sorts of disparities. Um, I know Rainbow Health Ontario does some really great trainings they have offering uh, for healthcare providers working with queer and trans folks. So that's one resource that's more of a general resource, but I think can be really helpful. Mm -hmm. um, and and the Canadian Cancer Society as well has a really great awareness campaign um, about these increased uh, risks. It's a screening campaign called Get Screened and it's aimed at LGBTQ2 plus individuals. Um, and that's another really great awareness campaign that's out there that I think healthcare professionals um, sh should pay attention to as well. Fantastic. So when your team identified uh, the disparities for LGBTQ2 individuals with cancer and their caregivers uh, with regards to uh, cancer screening and treatment, how did your team ultimately respond and what did that workflow look like? Yes, absolutely. So my team is myself and then Dr. Evan Taylor and Dr. Amanda Boulderson. And we actually met at a, what was called a design jam event back in 2018 in Vancouver. So the three of us each received a uh, Hacking the Knowledge Gap grant awarded uh, by the Canadian Institutes of Health Research Institute of Gender and Health. And that funded our participation in this design jam event, which was all around knowledge translation. So how can we take the research in this world of like gender and health and put it into practice. So the three of us all had experience in uh, cancer research, specifically cancer research in LD LGBTQ2 plus individuals. And so we started developing this idea for the Queering Cancer website. It actually initially started as an idea for an in-person workshop developed around kind of, you know, giving a, a sense of community and support um, and sort of specific relevant information. Uh, but we, as we kept thinking of this plan beyond the design jam, we figured, you know, a website would be more accessible, would reach more people. And I think now that we're in this pandemic, launching this website, I think it, it, that need for accessibility is even greater. So I'm glad that's the route we went with. Um, but we were connected with a patient partner, Mary Morgan, through Bird Communications, which is the communications firm that built our website. And she was so instrumental in developing really the spirit of this project. Um, there was lots of brainstorming to arrive at the name that we arrived at. Lots of work into combing the internet to look for resources to make a good database of what is out there uh, for queer and trans folk um, dealing with cancer. Um, and we are also really lucky to have some great reviewers, both researchers and individuals with lived experiences to give us feedback on the website as we got closer and closer to launch. What's been driving your passion for uh, the research and the work uh, put in for this project? Yes, as a master's student beginning my thesis research, I really saw that there was just so little research on the topic of LGBTQ2 plus individuals with prostate cancer. Uh, but the research that did exist pointed to important ways in which their experiences differ from those of their heterosexual cisgender counterparts, particularly in the area of sexuality, which is my main interest. Um, and then as I looked at the broader cancer literature to really contextualize my thesis, there was a theme across cancers, across the LGBTQ2 plus population of these, you know, lack of research, but really different experiences for the research that was there. So I could really see the need for a resource for this population to help them to find relevant, specific information and to connect with others as a source of social support. 
Um, on a more personal note, both of my parents had cancer. So my mom is a melanoma survivor. My dad died of colon cancer in 2013. So a project that has the potential to improve the cancer care experience for other people, uh, that's really important to me and I'm really proud to be a part of it. Thank you for that. Thank you for sharing. So now can you tell us about really the end product, Queering Cancer? What is it and ultimately what does it contain? Yeah, absolutely. So Queering Cancer is a website and it has three main sections that I think really speak to the spirit of this website and what we were hoping to provide people with. So the information section is a fully searchable database of resources with information specific to LGBTQ2 plus individuals with cancer. Uh, there is some really great information out there, uh, but it can be difficult to find. I think my team even found that trying to put this database together. Uh, it's hard to find stuff, but our directory puts it all in one place. So we're hoping that'll make it more accessible for people. Uh, the last thing you want to do when you, you know, have this news or a loved one has this news is to have to try to do this crazy search on the internet to find information that's relevant. So hopefully this makes it more accessible. Uh, the community section contains discussion forums for people to connect, ask questions, share their experiences with each other. And then finally, the stories section. It contains stories written by LGBTQ2 plus individuals with cancer, including one by Mary Morgan, our patient partner. Um, and so some of, these some of these stories are hosted directly on our website. Others, we're linking to ones that are already existing and just hoping to give them a, a bigger platform to share their stories with others. And if there are folks uh, out there that are listening who are cancer patients or caregivers and have stories, can they share with you? Absolutely. Our website at queeringcancer.ca, it has a contact us form. Like, do feel free to submit your stories um, and get in touch because we'd, we'd love to hear them. And we're really grateful for the people who have shared their stories with us already. Great. And uh, remind us again of where the resources can be found. Yeah, so that's queeringcancer.ca. It's live now. We're really excited about that. Uh, we also have some great content on our Twitter and Instagram accounts at queeringcancer. Great. Thank you very much. Okay, everyone, that's a wrap. Thank you, Megan McGinnis, for joining us here to talk about clearing cancer with us today. Well, thank you so much for having me. Thank you for listening to this podcast produced at CFRC 101.9 FM in Kingston, Ontario at Queen's University, situated on the traditional territory of the Anishinaabe and Haudenosaunee peoples. The CFRC Podcast Network at podcast.cfrc.ca is brought to you by the generous support of the Queen's University Faculty of Engineering and Applied Sciences.